Hey there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this is the Gem Jam, where we do an episode-by-episode recap of the 1980s cartoon Gem and the Holograms, because it is truly outrageous, and it truly doesn't understand modern art at all. Nobody does. That's kind of the point. This is episode 25, Culture Clash. This episode is written by David Wise, and you guys, David Wise... This guy basically co-created the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle show. He apparently coined Cowabunga Dude and wrote most of the episodes. This is the TMNT guy. Also, he wrote the Clock King episode of Batman the Animated Series. What? He wrote Clock King. One of the best freaking episodes of BTAS and he wrote it. So what happened here? Well, I don't know because he also wrote Renaissance Woman in season two. The episode where they all go to a Ren Fair in Europe and everyone seems to forget that there are bodies of government that exist outside of, like, blood ties to castles. But keeping this on this side of the pond, our episode opens with the holograms arriving in New York City at an airport? They're walking down a weird hall that doesn't track properly along with the walk cycle. It looks very surreal. They're accosted by reporters and uh, they're like, we're here for two weeks to film our new music video. And also the misfits are here somewhere. Where, where are they in relation to the holograms? Like covering nearby enough that they can see them, but not right on them. It's a lot like the episode where they were like in a room across the hall and a convention center or a house. Uh, are they in like uh, another end of the terminal? Is this is this an airport? The misfits are totes jelly of the holograms and Pizzazz swears to make their New York visit, quote, a disaster. Roxy says, I quote, those no talents get the royal treatment and we get nothing. Did they fly business class? They flew coach. They, oh. We also seem to act like this is the first time they've been to New York City in the show, which is not the case. It's at least the second, because Broadway magic is explicitly New York City, and then there's Old Meets New, which is maybe New York? But hey, Anthony Julian's here. We haven't seen him in a while. God, what has Anthony been up to? Apparently he's been worshipping Fitzgerald Beck. What's the status of his relationship with Shayna? Because we don't really see them talking to each other at all. Yeah, they don't even really interact much in this episode. But hey, Anthony Julian's here. And video! Yeah, they're on a limo and they're on the way to a gallery show hosted by the director of their new video, a guy named Fitzgerald Beck. Who is the hottest artist in the freaking world. He's the greatest conceptual artist in America. And they show a bunch of videos of him, which consist of the Blue Man group crashing around into something and a car exploding while driving through the desert and discordant old-timey music plays. It's actually pretty awesome. They say that Fitzgerald's name will then prestige to the holograms. And the holograms are not really clear on what just happened in those videos. So I, I don't know. They're kind of in a weird place in this episode. They're like squares. They don't get it. And they hate that they don't get it. This whole episode is basically the holograms chanting that one line from Kill the Beast in Disney's Beauty and the Beast. We don't like what we don't understand. In fact, it scares us. And this creature is mysterious, at least. Wow. You had that just ready to go. Anyway, Anthony has a fold-up TV in his limo. And he's got videos queued up. Do you think he, like, sat there, worked with, like, the guy who actually owns the limo, like, the limo service, and it's like, look, I'm gonna get some questions, let's queue this up, it's gonna be great. This video they show is, like, my note for it just says, this is incredible, it's genuinely the best thing I've seen in this cartoon so far. More outrageous things are yet to come, because we get to the party. Jim Henson puppet gadgets! Fits his pieces! They're either whimsical versions of, like, Lydia's mom's statues in Beetlejuice, 
Or they're like mechanical, less interesting versions of the creatures in Porky and Wacky Land. Or maybe the cat that hated people. It's that bit in like, in the old sort of Warner Brothers cartoons where you'll just have a parade of weird visual gags. They even have like the white gloves on their hands because they're because they're robots in cartoons. Then up on stage, there's a guy who starts hitting a piano with a sledgehammer. A guy who looks exactly like Conan O'Brien. The holograms are horrified. Kimber especially has a look of horror on her face as this piano's demolished. Kimber probably knows how expensive that piano is. That's uh, a metaphor for destroying capitalism. Hey, this is our introduction to the work of Fitzgerald Beck. We haven't actually seen him yet. We won't until the next day, I guess. It's daytime again. Yeah, the scene transitions on this are really weird. It's very rapid fire. There's like a scene, a couple of lines, and then scene transition. Like they had a whole bunch of ideas, but they weren't sure how to totally like smush them together into one coherent story. Or like this episode when David Wise wrote it was originally much, much longer. So it's daytime now. We're in front of some skyscraper. They're starting to play their song. Ugh, and it's happy endings. And uh, suddenly we pan up the skyscraper and we see a guy pouring a bunch of paint down from the top. I mean, this building is absurdly tall. I mean, there's at least 20 stories here. So that would at least very much hurt landing on someone's head. Yeah, that paint is a projectile by the time it hits the ground. And also the paint is weird enough that all of these colors are just sort of sitting there separated in these vats like like oil and water. And so hundreds of gallons of paint fall on top of the holograms 20 stories up as they are singing happy endings. They are somehow not dead. No, but at least they stop singing happy endings. Fitzgerald Beck appears and rappels down from the roof of the building 20 stories. That's a long rope. He's not even like wearing gloves or anything his hands are gonna be bright red if not bloody by the point he gets down and he tells jem you fascinate me and my only note for that just says oh dear anthony also is like be nice to him artists are sensitive so she can't immediately just like smack him on the mouth for being like you know you fascinate me and then that scene is just sort of over so we skip to their next part of the music video where they're going to be playing on a garbage truck scow a garbage scow there's a yacht and a garbage scow. Guess which one the holograms get to be on. So much for our glamorous image. And Pizzazz, in her effort to make this a disaster for them, uh, goes and becomes a trained electrician and starts just ripping out wires. Pizzazz knows how to disable a garbage scow? But anyway, the, the idea is that they pilot the garbage scow by remote control and the yacht has all the cameras on it. And yeah, the remote control stops working. The garbage scow is... Quickly moving along, and they're honestly, it, it's kind of played up like you kind of expect they're about to go over a sudden waterfall that appears outside of New York City. No, but it's so much better. Suddenly, behind them, a cruise ship. Nobody noticed until just now. A stealth cruise liner. They're about to be run over by the Titanic. <laughs> Basically, as it's just like charging into the bay. Jem runs to the controls to try and steer the ship, and then she recognizes both, quote, the control box and that somebody wrecked it. And she's like, we've got to reconnect the manual controls. I just have written below that I do not think ships work this way. And Aja burst in and starts fixing it. And Aja is probably a trained electrician. Let's all be honest here. Kimber, meanwhile, just sort of twirls out of the open window and almost off the side of the scow. This is just what Kimber does. She just trips for no reason over water. It's like with the orcas all over again. Shayna slides out to get her. Shayna falls too. Aja grabs them both. And then they all just sort of fall back into the scow. And I guess they reconnected the manual controls. I guess everything's fine now. I don't know, because we're back on shore now. And they're all in trauma blankets. 
Beck's like, if anything had happened to you, you wouldn't have anyone to dump paint on. We're kind of drift in the middle of the Pacific. Atlantic, whatever. Yeah, Kimber doesn't know what ocean they're on. I super love this line. I can't tell if it was originally like a flub or something, but it totally works for Kimber. And then they're in Anthony's office. Yeah, after Jem tells Fitz that, I honestly think you mean well, but I also think you're a menace. They hate him. They really, really, really hate him. And they're telling Anthony that much in his office. And Anthony also wants to drop back, probably for insurance reasons, but he can't because it'll damage their credibility. Shayna pops in. It's like, I care a lot more about my neck than my credibility. Shayna's got the right idea. Mad Shayna is best Shayna. I, I just don't know why. I mean, he's weird. He's a weirdo, but they hate him for it. I've never seen them this united in anger against anyone outside of Eric and the Misfits. So meanwhile, we go to Fitz's studio where somebody named Maria is here. Is she like, does she own the studio? What, what sway does she have over him? I'm not sure it's ever clear. She owns the gallery that buys a lot of his sculptures. I think Maria is to Fitz as Eric is to the Misfits. Yeah, she seems like his manager, but I don't know. It's never made clear at the start what the relationship is. We only find out later on that Maria is the person who owns the gallery. This Again, this feels like a much longer episode that was cut down. Like maybe originally this was a two-parter or it's just an incredibly bad script. Either one. Maria demands that uh, that Fitz stop making this music video, and she also hates his performance art. She wants him to keep making sculptures, and that's the whole scene. So I'm not totally sure where we go next. Is this Eric's New York office? It looks a lot more like some kind of hotel room than his usual office. But he has his sculpture there, so it's just an office that Eric apparently has. This is another reason that, like, the only thing that would make sense would be if Eric is a Time Lord and his office is his TARDIS because it just appears. Sometimes it changes shape. Just as a side thing, I really love Eric this episode because he's just a huge nerd. He's like, I love, I love Fitzmaxx's office so great. And oh my gosh, I'm so excited that he's here. And he just kind of forgets the misfits are there because he loves these sculptures so much and it's cute. <laughs> Eric is a huge Turbo Nerd fan of Fitzgerald Beck. He's like, I've only been able to afford one of his smaller works, which is a little sphere with cartoon hands and red overalls. Eric says that one of their backers is letting Eric keep some of Beck's statues while he's in Europe, and he's like giddy about it. He completely ditches the misfits because he's like, oh, that's right, I'm meeting the backer in a gallery in 10 minutes, and he just doesn't even say goodbye. He just walks out of his office, leaving the misfits there. He's such a nerd. Yeah, the misfits aren't happy about this. So they follow him. There's a commercial break after the misfits decide to follow him, which is no impending death on a commercial break. Not even a dramatic tension point. Just let's follow him. You're not reminded of the looming specter of mortality. It's weird. Meanwhile, apparently 10 minutes later at a gallery, Eric is super jazzed about these sculptures. He called them beautiful. It's worth noting that these supposedly extremely valuable sculptures are just piled up in a crate. They're not in even individually packed. No, they're not. I think there's some straw in there. It's just basically a toy box. And then we figure out what the plot of the episode actually is because Maria and Alex, the backer, are not subtle at all. You should invest in the gallery. The dividends are surprising. Oink. Eric says I'd love to. But at these prices, who can afford it? They're just trying to, you know, get rid of their diamonds or whatever. And Eric, meanwhile, is just like, I really love these sculptures. They're so great. I would love to own some. 
Alex is like, you're not paying for the form, Eric. It's the content. And immediately you're like, there's diamonds in there. These are filled with diamonds. And then he mutters something about lying low from the cops while he scurries out of the building. There's so diamonds in there. And Eric still doesn't get it. He's just like, yeah, they are great sculptures, aren't they? He's so adorably nerdy in this episode. The Mystics have followed him uh, after overhearing this conversation. Uh, they run over to check on these statues and Pizzazz is like, there's totally diamonds in here. Yeah, they rattle like one of the arms. They go, oh, sounds like a girl's best friend. Really? Sounds like diamonds. Totally diamonds in here. Or she has bat vision because I can't tell diamonds by just shaking a box. So Pizzazz's thoughts, of course, instantly turn to murder. Last time we nearly sank Jim's boat. This time we're going to blow her out of the water. That seems like that should have been the uh, the episode break there. Because then you have like at least the threat of death. Instead, it's song time. It's the Misfits. Surprise, surprise. The visuals in this video are so weird. The whole thing is weird. Pizzazz bullies a trash can. I distracted you with this giant robot that's actually Roxy so I can hit you with the pie. Now you're in that one Windows 95 screensaver that's a brick wall maze. There's a cobra that Pizzazz grabs and it's just a sock on a garden hose. It's like if someone had once had a cobra described to them. Because it looks like a bright green ball python who swallowed a frisbee. And it's a fire hose instead. And then they can ride up the banister like Mary Poppins. Surprise, surprise. Again, it feels like we're describing random things, but all these really happen, you guys. I tell you what, they, they reprise this song later in, I think, season two with Surprise, Surprise, and the video is much, much, much more coherent. But anyway, the Misfits replace some of the hologram sculptures with the sculptures full of diamonds and apparently dynamite. They're actually going to blow up the holograms. This is actually going to happen. We get this scene outside of... A theater where the holograms are performing and people seem to know about this, but I thought they were just working on a music video here. I guess they're shooting for the music video with an audience. And then the holograms come out on stage in Babylon 5 outfits. Yeah, their outfits are really, really odd in this. And they are still trying to get happy endings off the ground while robots just kind of wander around on stage. Yeah, we've heard the first five bars of happy endings so many times by this point. I think you can start to see why we hate the song so much. Yeah, I hate it too. I mean, setting aside the fact that it's boring and sleepy, it's just, get this song off the ground already. Uh, the Misfits are determined that won't happen, though, because they hit a switch. Where did they get bombs? I don't know. The robots explode and they're full of diamonds. But they're like sapphires and emeralds. Sapphires and like red emeralds or something. Everybody's just pretty sure they're freaking diamonds. May I note, you guys, this episode is basically a weirder version of the plot from the Chipmunks movie. The animated one, not the one with Jason Lee. But anyway, we cut directly to the cops looking at all of the diamonds on the floor and going, well, I know exactly where these came from. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'll bet my bottom subway token these are the stolen Rockwell jewels we've been looking for because he's from New York. <laughs> subway tokens. <laughs> he says that, you know, the holograms may have stolen them. Fitz may have too, but Fitz is gone. And the detective is personally gonna see to it none of you's gills anywheres. It's like Wise must have written this in dialect, assuming this guy would figure out that he's supposed to have like a crappy New York Brooklyn accent here. And it doesn't No, <laughs> He reads it straight. <laughs> Is this the same detective from Frame Up, like episode four? The one in Las Vegas? Probably. The one who assumes immediately that the holograms must be guilty? He must. This must be that guy. But what matters is they're kind of being, you know, held for investigation, which to be fair, they were on stage with a bunch of robots filled with diamonds. And he's just reading the paper. 
The holograms are totally convinced that Fitz is not clever enough to stuff diamonds in his sculptures, which I don't think it takes a very clever person to do that. I think it takes the opposite of a clever person to do that. Speaking of the opposite of a clever person, Jem knocks on a coffee table and the detective thinks it's a knock at the door, like a dog does. And Synergy makes a Fitz hologram at the door. So the Fitz hologram runs off. The holograms run off in the opposite direction because they have to find Fitz. And they think, where's the stupidest place he could be? And then they arrive at Fitz's studio. Nobody checked his studio. Nobody's been here yet. This is the stupidest place. Fitz is having an existential crisis. Nobody really liked my sculptures. They were just being used to smuggle stolen jewels. What a freaking line. That's a line that could only happen in this cartoon. Uh, the holograms, it's weird they're actually telling him to run, avoid, resist arrest, run from the cops, even though he's innocent. This seems like a super bad idea. Maybe they're quite familiar with the NYPD by this point. Yeah, but Fitz is like a rich, eccentric white guy. Yeah, he's probably going to be fine. Anyway, Jem calls his sculptures kind of cute and Fitz is about to declare his undying love for her when he suddenly blurts out, Maria! Yeah, he realizes Maria must be the one smuggling jewels and then the fuzz comes. And they decide to escape out the fire escape because nobody thought to cover the fire escape. So we've got like an establishing shot of Fitz's studio and then the same shot of them leaving down the fire escape. The establishing shot actually has the silhouette of people on the fire escape. The shot at the end of the scene does not. They switched them accidentally. They go to the gallery where they can't find any evidence and the holograms immediately assume the misfits are involved. Have they even seen the misfits? Do they know the misfits are here in New York? It's generally a safe assumption to make. Stuff's blowing up. Must be the misfits. Jem says, let's split up, gang. Jem and Fitz are going to grab some of the sculptures so they can catch Maria. I, I don't know why the sculptures are necessary. And the rest of the holograms are going to track down the misfits. And they do at Misfits Music in California? Do they have two Misfits Music buildings? I don't understand. Poor Eric Raymond, though. He's also replaced their audio technician. Yeah, he's their audio tech now, which leads to the best line in this whole episode. Which is him saying, Pizzazz, where did you learn to play that thing? It's C minor, not C minus. Burn! Sick burn. Sickest burn in this show. The holograms were also hiding under the console. How long have they been there? They record Eric talking about the misfits exploding the robots, that Maria was smuggling jewels, and I understand that they get this information, but everything about how they get this information is confusing and terrifying to me. They listen over the microphones as they're talking about this, and then Aj is like, well, that's all the evidence I need. No, it's not. It may be the evidence you need, but it's not the evidence the cops need. Yeah, can you even present this in a court? And also they just happen to catch the misfits as they're talking about everything illegal they've done today. How long have they been sitting there? How long have they been waiting for them to talk about that specific illegal thing? So anyway, they get to Maria's gallery. I think it's her apartment, actually. It's never really made clear where they are. They just meet up at a building where Maria is. Gem actually does one of the most clever things that she's done with holograms in the entire show. She makes an Eric hologram. Eric hologram tells Maria that Fitz told the cops where they keep the stolen jewels. And Maria's like, how did he know? He couldn't have known. I've got to get to the jewels before the police. She pushes the Eric hologram out of the way. This is not a hard light hologram. What? What just happened? So she runs out, Jem, the holograms, Fitz, and the robots go after her in something that I really have to gif because it is quite a sequence. 
There's even a little cop robot with a whistle. Do these things have AI? It seems like they do. They don't seem to be having remote control. These things seem to be moving autonomously. Everyone's talking about how great these sculptures are. Why is nobody talking about how he revolutionized robotics? Well, can you use it for glam rock? Apparently. Well, I guess then it has a use. Because if you can't use it for glam rock, what's the freaking point? So there's a club with a house of mirrors in the back. For reasons. And Maria gets attacked by Robocop. Yeah, it actually arrests her and everything, and, and they cheer for a moment. Like, yeah, that's pretty much all we needed. Yay. This robot has power of arrest. This robot probably prints out your Miranda rights on a little on a little printer in its chest. The bartender in this club, which, by the way, is filled with the most amazing, like, dystopia punks. The bartender is like, what the heck is happening? And Fritz's boxing robot pretty much kills this guy. It annihilates him. Oh, man. And like, he falls and the robot keeps punching him. And then the cops who have apparently received some sort of alert about robots breaking into a club with a house of mirrors. It's Gem World. This happens a lot. There's probably a specific code for it. The cops arrive and they arrest Gem and somehow everyone's surprised that this is happening. Uh, I should note that in the background while this is going on, we have people with some pretty amazing outfits, but my favorite are the sandwich board guys. Uh, one of them, uh, well, actually two of them, because there are two separate guys, are, are wearing ones that just says, eat at Joe's. But my favorite is the other one. It says, in 1900, the end is near. They're in like the foreground, like we're supposed to pay attention to them. And standing next to the in 1900, the end is near sandwich board person is a person wearing a fringe vest, a blue tank top with a lightning bolt and a spiked armband. And they look to be together because they're dancing together. So Jem has been arrested and they have no idea how to prove that Maria has all of the jewels. And the weird thing is the cops say, oh, so Maria's house, the jewels. How are you going to prove it? Like they should at least say, okay, we're bringing Maria in for questioning too. They should not be sneeringly defensive of a potential suspect. But it's okay because a robot breaks some of the glass and it's filled with diamonds. My favorite part about this whole, like, denouement thing is that the one of the policemen actually pats Copbot on the head. Do you think they're going to welcome him into the force? I would watch that children's movie starring, like, iced tea. Anyway, next we get a scene where Fitz gets turned down by Jem, essentially. Yeah, he makes, like, a love confession. Like, his heart is going doki-doki and everything. And Jem's like, there's someone else. Is there? There's someone else, and also you're weird, and I don't like you. So Fitz basically is like, my heart is broken, I'm quitting the video. And Jem says, I know someone who thinks you're a genius. That's never followed up on. Is she talking about Eric? She wasn't present for that conversation. It just sort of ends, and we never see Fitz again. I keep thinking this must have been a two-parter that got cut down to one episode. It's just too weird otherwise. And then we end with the sappiest, slowest song. We finally see the music video for Happy Endings. And Shayna's using brushes on digital drum pads. I don't think you could do that. Thank you. It's also like, so they were setting out to make a huge music video with like a conceptual artist to make it something big and different and, and led them like credibility. And instead it's a, we made a concert video music video, which is... The laziest music video. Not only does this song keep starting over and over again in this episode, but Happy Endings is a song that is so generic and boring that it just, they use it so many times. The only time we're ever going to enjoy this song is when they start doing it in uh, The Fan in season two. 
And then the episode ends. And of course, they replay both music videos. They replay Surprise, Surprise. They replay I Believe in Happy Endings. And we get a superstar PSA. Even after all the weird cutting down they did of this episode, we still had to kill a lot of time, apparently. And this is a new superstar segment, too. It's about riding your bike at night. This whole thing is kind of frantic. Like, it moves at this dizzying pace of bicycle safety. Yeah, they rattle that thing off. It's a bike safety lecture. Kimber and Jem almost hit some kids who are riding bicycles, and basically, it's like they're so panicked, they're like, well, this is your fault for not wearing a helmet. And a headlight, and reflectors on your bike, and wear light-colored clothing, and always drive on the right side of the road, and, 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 we're sorry we almost killed you. But that makes you a superstar. Bye. And that's our episode. Man, this is a weird episode. This is, I, I think this is maybe one of the worst. And I don't understand that this came from the guy who wrote The Clock King. Luckily, next week we have episode 26, the season finale of season one, Glitter and Gold, which is a Christy Marks episode and therefore is some kind of narrative coherency. Potted plants. Oh, that's right. It's the potted plants episode. Look forward to the liars, deceivers, and potted plants episode, guys. The Gem Jam comes out every Sunday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and YouTube. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter and Tumblr. We are at the Gem Jam pretty much anywhere except on Twitter. We are at Gem Jam Cast. We are also a Patreon-supported podcast. If you like what we do, you want to give us a couple bucks, that would be super cool of you. If you just want to spread the word, that's also great. That'll be all for us this week. Until next time, dear listeners, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this is the Gem Jam, where we remind you, even a broken clock is outrageous twice a day.